0: I mean, it's interesting, right? When we, growing up... Well, I guess your half-brother didn't grow up with you, right? He He grew up in a different household. Um, But I guess, like, with the siblings growing up with us, we all think that we're growing up in the same or similar environment and we're having the same experiences. But have you had that experience where you go back and you talk to them and it kind of feels like you grew up in a completely different household?
1: (laughs) All the time. And for, like... Two, three years, we didn't talk. Wow. Yeah, it was definitely painful uh, for me because I'm very family oriented. So, but, but I had to learn that if it was family versus stress and happiness, and you know, my no stress and happiness, then I have to choose the no stress and happiness with the family that I'm building. And then, mm-hmm try to work it back into the other dynamic at some point
0: let's put a stop to letting other people's opinion of what you should be make you walk away second-guessing how awesome you all you are i want you to use your voice to ensure that you are always seen heard and appreciated for all that you are and all that you have been through and we can do this by finding a unique mindset strategy that allows you to amplify your voice We will be looking at reflecting on the issue, recognizing the patterns that are holding you back and releasing all that block so that you can amplify your voice and make sure you are always seen, heard and appreciated as you should be. So next time your aunt opens her mouth and says, When are you going to get a real job? (laughs) You can stand up for your word and walk away from that conversation feeling like a fucking queen. Because a strong voice and a mindful approach will result in being able to always feel seen, heard, and appreciated. I invite you to book a free 20-minute strategy call today to find one unique takeaway that will help you stand up for yourself and always feel in control. Not just of how others see you, but of how boldly, how you boldly reflect a person that is always seen, heard, and appreciated Rocking that confidence wherever you go. DM me to book a call on Instagram at BreakthroughThis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Refreshingly Human. It is me, Hannah Pillow. Today I am joined by a very interesting guest. Hi, BK, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, I would actually. Um, I am BK Space. I have a podcast called The BK Space Show where I'm half of a co hosting team. Um, the show is basically just two blurs, and we're discussing social issues through our narrative, basically. So, you know, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, I don't know what else you your listeners would want to listen to know about me, but hopefully, throughout this interview, I can give them more of me.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's what you're here for. <laughs> can Can you tell us like where are you based as well?
1: Um I am in Alabama Sweet um, Home
0: Alabama. Well, this season we are diving into the black sheeps and the white sheeps of the family. And BK you told me that you identified as both. So where do you want to start with that?
1: I don't know. Um I we can start with white sheep. Yeah. Cuz I think that's pretty much how the journey started as a kid. Um I was definitely the go-to kit for everything um not that you know my other siblings were neglected or anything like that so sorry mom if that sounded that way but it's not um but I definitely had moments where I kind of was on the in kit and I definitely took care of everything and whenever my parents was telling me to do I followed
0: uh, everything. Can you give me an example?
1: Like, um, um I think the biggest example is um, we're a musical family. Um, everybody did something. So, you know, my sister could sing, my brother played keyboard, my dad was a drummer, and my family thought I could be good at music. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but they was like, "Hey, you should try," it, and you know, you can be a part of the group that the family uh, had, and you know me being me i was like yeah sure whatever and to my detriment um it always didn't work out in my favor but it was whatever the family needed you know
0: what was your mindset behind that like do you even do you remember like thinking back what was your mindset to saying let's just go with it when maybe your heart wasn't in it or did you know your heart wasn't in it yet
1: um it was 50-50 on that uh, Sometimes I just really didn't want to do things But like I said was Whatever is good for the fam mm-hmm. And then there was other times Where I really pushed back um, I remember my earliest thing Of pushing back against the family Was uh, my brother and my sister Both played trumpet in the band And when it was my turn to join the band um, I wanted to play saxophone And nobody wanted me to play saxophone I mean, they were right in the end, but, eh, you know, that was like the first time I really pushed for something that I personally wanted.
0: How old were you?
1: That was in elementary school. Okay. I was, from that point on, I kind of became the the rebel, but not in a bad way, though.
0: So, um, were you the oldest sibling?
1: No, I am the youngest.
0: No way. Oh my god, from what you just described, I kind of was getting the image of the oldest child here, but you're the youngest child.
1: I am. Um, Crazy part is most people think I'm the oldest kid.
0: Okay, so was there a desire to, like, what is the age gap between you and your oldest sibling?
1: Um, Three years apart for my brother, and then six years for my sister, and then I have another brother who didn't live with us, he was my step brother um i think we're like eight years apart or something like that from my father's previous marriage
0: okay i see so your oldest half sibling is eight years older than you yes okay all right and as the youngest child did you have like this need to live up to your siblings kind of expectations did you feel like you were living in their shadow was there any of that that played a part in you being the white sheep to begin with
1: Yes, um, because I kind of wanted to fit in. I was I said this on my show a lot, so I guess I could say it here, too. Um, I was short and chubby. So, you know, throughout school, you get picked on about things and whatever I could do. And my siblings picked on me, too, uh, because younger brother. So whatever I can do to fit in was always uh, the go-to thing for me. That way I wouldn't get teased or singled out as much.
0: Right. Can you tell me what your oldest siblings were like?
1: Ooh, um, my oldest brother from the stories I remember as a kid because he wasn't around that much um, he was he, he was like protective of me when I was younger so if I'm three or four he would put my Brother and my sister outside, and he would leave me in the house because I was a baby, so we had a pretty decent bond. Um, it kind of goes away as we get older. Um, my sister, which is the next oldest, uh, we were okay, we didn't really get along that well. I remember a particular time when I was sick, and my mom brought me some candy and she I I was in and out I think I had like bronchitis so I was drugged up type of thing and I woke up and I see her sneak in my room and she takes candy the candy that my mom brought for me for when I got well and like she disappears with it and I I still mess with her about it to this day I'm like yo you took a sick man's candy I was like I was like seven
0: sick child
1: um, <laughs> And, um, but yeah, that's the type of relationship we have. It's still kind of, we love each other, but we argue still a lot. Um, me and my brother, we were like the closest because we shared a room. So it was surprisingly a lot less arguments between us, which is, I don't know how we survived and not argue. In fact, when he goes to college, when it was my turn to go behind him, um, I absolutely became his roommate. And my sister was actually at the same school as well. So wow. we've been, we're like those argumentative type of siblings, but we're really close at the same time.
0: Yeah, wow. And you said that the bond went, went away with your older sibling as you got older.
1: Yeah, um, I just think I probably ran out of cuteness for him or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, we, we talk now, but not as often um, but I don't think it was more me that had an issue, but I think it was our parents. Right. Um, his mom and my dad, they had a really, uh, really rough divorce. I'm just learning these things now. So from what I've learned, it was really rough. And I think it was a lot of animosity between the two. And I, you know, you go through everything, every, my dad went through everything, every stereotypical male situation goes through you know uh the the wife the ex-wife not liking the new wife and she's keeping the son away so I think that's where that bun went away and I never had a chance to rebuild that back with him
0: mm. now
1: him and my sister are fine they talk to each yeah. other all the time
0: yeah. but I'm,
1: oh I was just gonna say I mean I talk to him now but we're just not as close
0: right I mean it's interesting right when we growing up well I guess your half brother didn't grow up with you right he, he no. grew up in a different household um, but I guess like with the gr- siblings growing up with us we all think that we're growing up in the same or similar environment and we're having the same experiences but have you had that experience where you t- go back and you talk to them and it kind of feels like you grew up in a completely different household
1: <laughs> all the time um, I, I think that's where I, I kind of get the I'm the parent pet conversation from um, because if you look at my siblings and you look at me it's like we're totally different people like we have some things in common but not a lot um, so it's we do have those conversations like all the time about this is what happened and you did this and you did that when well, we got in trouble like it was an incident with the ball and it was I was we were all playing with the ball in the house and I'm like no that's not what happened uh, you guys, we got the ball. Pops told us not to play with the ball. We were all in the room together, but you guys were throwing the ball and you broke the light. And then he came in and we all got a whooping. And they were like, well, you was over there in the corner crying. Yeah, because I didn't do anything. And now I also have to get whooping because that's what black rules say. If the parent can't figure out which <laughs> kid did the damage then everyone in the room also gets a spanking so that's it was just what it was back in those days not that i could donate or anything but it it was what it was for the time period
0: yeah no i totally i totally understand what you mean um yeah so your your siblings think that you were the parents pet did they do they still think that now
1: yes um it's kind of true a little bit. Well, when things happen, I am like the mediator of the family now. So if, say, my brother and my sister get into an argument, I am the person they all call to convince that they wasn't the one that pulled the trigger on the argument. Like um, a lot of times up until recently, um, I was definitely the person like I, I don't know how. All cultures are. But, you know, in the in the black family culture, you have the uh, the patriarch and the matriarch of the family. And I was definitely paused for that position in a sense. You know, every time something happened, I was the voice of reason in the house. I was given all the advice. Um, even now, I'm usually the one that's giving the advice. I'm trusted a lot by the parent, my parents. So, you know, so yeah, I'm kinda looked at like the pet still.
0: Yeah, so that sounds to me very much like a white, the white sheep of the family. And I wanted to ask you, what kind of sense of, do you feel a sense of responsibility for the roles that the family puts on you?
1: Yes, um, I do get extremely worried when things go wrong and it doubles for the fact that I'm nowhere near home now. So there are times where I'm like, If something major happens, I am like wanting to jump in my car and drive the four or five hours. I think it's like four and a half that I need to get to to get home to make sure everything is okay. So I definitely have a responsibility. Recently, I've kind of pulled away a little bit um, because things happen. But yeah, I definitely even when I'm on the outs of the family, I'm definitely worried all the time about them.
0: When you're on the outs with the family, how often does that happen?
1: Not often, but there was a brief period for like five about five years. Oh um, yeah. We actually got into it. Um, like I was saying, well, you know, I was a band nerd, band geek. So, um, when we were home from school one summer, um uh, me and my well okay so I'm married okay (laughs) let me say that now and my current wife we've been together since like 2005 so I said current wife like there was another one there there wasn't another one I was gonna Um, ask there's only been one (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) Uh, we've been together since like 2005 so we have a lot of history together my parents actually wasn't cool with my wife um a situation happened with her and my mother. Well, with her mother and my mother. So everything just transferred down to the children when we were teens. It was like a Romeo and Juliet type of thing. It was weird. Parents got into it. So therefore, the kids couldn't be that far from the tree type of thing. Um, and it kind of snowballed for years until the point where I was like, okay, so listen, I'm in love with this woman. This is the woman of my future. It's either we're gonna get along or I'm gonna go away and just be happy. And about two years after that, we end up being, what well, about three? We end up getting married and we were always arguing about things with, with my family. And it got to a point where we end up like just breaking away, and for like two or three years, we didn't talk. Wow. Yeah, it was definitely painful uh, for me because I'm very family oriented. So, but but I had to learn that if it was family versus stress and happiness and you know my no stress and happiness then i have to choose the no stress and happiness with the family that i'm building and then Mm -hmm. try to work it back into the other dynamic at some point
0: yeah um that that is an a very powerful statement that i think a lot of people could relate to because i think that because of the culture we a lot of us grew up in or even the era, we do we, we are family oriented, but we also I feel like we put this pressure on society puts this pressure on us that we have to stick with our family no matter what. And True. That is not always fair, I would say. Yeah. And I think people are starting Agreed. to learn that you know what? Saying no matter what can put you in abusive situations. It can there has to be a boundary. They just has to.
1: And I think it took us, I think like five or so years ago where we were really, where we were able to somewhat, um, I wouldn't say actually apologize because a lot of things my parents just didn't remember happened. So we didn't actually get to iron those situations out. And I think that's the worst part of like the whole family dynamic thing too, because They don't really always apologize for things. It's like it happened. And then we all come together at a barbecue or something and we say hello and hey. And now we're all cool again. And I literally had to bring my parents to my house and was like, "Okay, listen, we have things that we have not worked out yet. I love you. And I know we're in a better headspace now. But in order for us to grow. And like plants better sees later. Like, we need to have some of this conversation, like, right now. And we, um, we ended up actually having those. And this is where um, I think my black sheep of the family kind of ended, even though we weren't into that just yet. But that's kind of where it ended after that. Me going from white sheep to black sheep was, like, that whole five-year period in there.
0: Yeah, I mean... I can see why. Yeah, we would say that the black sheep of the family is the one who goes against the norms. So I, I would say that you marrying your wife went against your family's norms for a while, and they had to adjust to that. Is that, yes. that That's the summary of it.
1: Yes. Okay. A lot of battles in between there. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, I, I'm sure. I bet there was. And I, I just want to say that I think it is. It's definitely very powerful of you and definitely a big black sheep move to take your family and be like we're gonna talk about this now because um it's so true what you said that there's a generation that will never apologize ever in fact i i heard this phrase in a movie or i don't know i watch a lot of tv i I think i (laughs) reference half i reference half my life to tv but somebody in in some movies or something they said um I'm your mother, I gave birth to you, that means I never have to apologize.
1: You know what? <laughs> I, I remember hearing that from somewhere. I don't know where. Right? I do remember hearing it.
0: And I think that is something our, this this generation, not our generation, but I think the generation before us, they hold on to this because I think saying sorry for them is just so difficult. They will never be able to say that they are wrong. Yeah. But I think that, Like, I don't know about you, but I think that 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 has hurt me a lot in my life until I kind of had to realize that that is not my issue to deal with. The fact that they can't apologize is not my problem to deal with. That is their problem to deal with. I can only deal with what I can.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and there's a lot of that for me as well. But being in that position that they have always put me in, I can't help but fold back into that and like we have to fix this type of thing so um for me i'm okay with not getting apologies now um because i know it's not for me it's for the other person but other parties in this situation are not okay with that so it kind of makes it hard to navigate life a little bit like we can all be cordial but at the same time it's like yo you still owe me an apology you know so it it comes back up often for me
0: yeah it's it's such a tough one the family dynamics they can be um yeah i i mean it's like it's, it comes back to everything for me comes back to this whole communications and communication gap that we have um would would not even just a generation but like i said even our siblings growing up in the same household I feel like with my own siblings, I feel like some of us speak an entirely different language from the elders, yes. and we just would never get each other, we just, you know, everything, like, like for me, for example, um, I always feel like, from my perspective, I feel like my older brother, every time I say something to him, he has to always one-up me. So, oh, every yeah. every word that comes out of my mouth, like even the other day, like, oh, I haven't met so-and-so yet oh, I've known so-and-so my whole life. It's like every little thing like that has to be. Yeah, I understand that. And it's like, oh, my God, like, are you even hearing me? Are you even listening (laughs) to me? And I think it's just that these kind of miscommunications can cause a lot more relationship problems.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. 110%. My son's like that now. Your son? Yes, he's like 9 and I could say, man, I haven't heard that song in 10 years. And he was like, but what if it's like 10 and a half or 11, actually? I'm like, son, d- why are you doing this? Why? You don't have to one-up me in my own, t- like, it was a fact. I I'm sure it's been 10 years, son. And here you are telling me, no, no, dad, it's been 11. Oh, I love gosh. That.
0: And you know what I love about that? You're telling me that your nine-year-old son does that. And I'm telling you that my 35-year-old brother does that.
1: <laughs> Some things never change, I guess. Do the math. <laughs> I really hope he doesn't do this to me like his entire life. I've been trying to stop it so long. I don't think I can. I think it's just a part of his personality now
0: maybe maybe i don't know i don't know about that like i think um like for me i think that like i can only say this is my perspective of it but i i think that for my own brother that i feel like it might be an insecurity thing because of the very masculine world that i come from um that he cannot Hmm. he cannot be less than a girl
1: oh yeah you know what i that's interesting I would have never thought of just those type of reactions from other people could be like an insecurity of their selves. I never thought about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's, um, you know, it's it's difficult to deal with it as the receiver but I can also have compassion about it in some sense, but also frustration because you sometimes want to take the person and shake them and be like, <laughs> you know, like, your life yes. is great. Stop competing with me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I, again, I, we, I find myself in agreement with you that and we can't shake our siblings, even though we definitely would like to try sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like from a lot of what you said, BK, I feel like personally, and I'm going to put this out to the audience, do you think that BK is a white sheep or a black sheep of his family? Personally, I think you're the white sheep. I think that you I think that you took a small detail detour for a little while, but I think your heart has always been a white sheep.
1: I think you'd be correct. But yeah, it's just, I think when it comes down to negative things, Um, it tends to overtake all your positivity, even though you have so much positive in your life, like that 1% or that 5% of negativity that you go through, it just overtakes so much, you know, it's crazy. But can I also say that just for the sake of the conversation that even every situation I've been in with my family I have not not been at fault in some way like I've never I've always taken accountability for things I may have said or things I would have I may have done that even not per, per se what they've done or triggered them but just me taking responsibility for the things that I've said or that you know I may have taken out of context so i'm always for accountability and i just if you're listening just make sure that when you're in argument you always take accountability for yourself and hell, you know that's my two cents in that one i'm sorry
0: hell yeah 110 percent. i love that you said that um that is just i think that is just it right we we always want to point the finger at someone else or the other and you know what maybe sometimes it's not 100 percent our fault but there's always a factor of accountability and everything yes, that we can is. own
1: Oh, because it was definitely times that I could have just easily um, not argue I never yell at my parents because you know I'm not I'm not um, their parent they're mine so what I do have this way of talking and I will keep calm in this situation so I I'm a hundred percent aware of everything that I'm doing and saying in the moment I don't like my emotions to get out of control so if I say something or do something, it is probably a calculated move wow. to either win the situation, win the argument, or just to make sure that I'm being heard in some way. So, you know, I definitely have to take accountability for those moments that I mess up because I do. I am not perfect.
0: I love that level of self-awareness. That's brilliant. I wanted to ask, you have kids now, BK. How many kids do you have? Two. Two too so your experiences with your parents um and the way the way you were raised is there anything that you do differently now with your kids or are you following the same basic principles
1: um in the beginning i think i was following the same principles um my kid get in trouble after i told him so many times it's time to pull out the belt um and i the first time i spanked my daughter i literally cried because i i didn't like it i was like i felt like i had to do it and i couldn't like i did, I felt like there was no other alternative i think she was like six and it was something she was doing that she just continued to do over and over again and i'm like i've, I've taken things um i've talked to her i've even yelled you know to try to scare her into uh, doing the right thing, and I'm like, I have to nip this behavior in the bud like, And I'm like, the only way I can do it is like what my parents did to us When we weren't listening, I'm like, I have to spank her So, you know, I got my little belt, and I came in there And I, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't want to do this But I feel like I don't have another choice And she was like, you do what you think you have to do Because that's the type of wife I have sometimes She's just like, That's that's your decision and I'm like, I'm OK, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with this and I'm going to see how I have happen, what happens. And after I got done, I literally cried like I walked out of the I kept my composure in front of my daughter, left her in her room, walked down the hall uh, to our apartment. Well, I mean, it was an apartment at the time. So I walked like three feet down the hall to my wife. And like she hugged me because I was like shaking and crying because I was just that sad and disappointed in myself. And. I didn't understand how to reach my kids. Um, I don't want to say correctly because I understand there's different ways to reach a child. But for me, what I wanted, I didn't want to have to spank them every five minutes. They did something. Um, So, yeah, I definitely repeated my parents things all the way up to my son being born. And it was just at some point it's like, okay, we have to change this. So what do we do to change this? And I'm starting to understand, like, um, the mind of a child a lot better. Um, you know, I I went, talked to therapists uh, about things, um, read books. And, you know, it's just different. It's different reasons for everything. And even with my children now, I talk to them about situations, even the things that that happened to me and my wife with my family. I told my daughter because she's 11 um, we've started having conversations now about this stuff. And I kept some details back because they may have been like too wordy. But the gist of it, I'm like, hey, this is what grandma and granddad did and said. This is what your other grandma said. And this is what I did wrong. And this is what your mother did wrong. And because I want her to be able to make better decisions than we were making or our parents were making. And how my parents. Oh, uh, when we started, how old was she? Sorry. Um, I think she was like nine when we started yeah I'm pretty sure she was like nine and as we got older she we talked a little more and she might come ask me a random question and then I answered it to, to the best of my abilities and she might ask her grandparents question and they absolutely hate it and <laughs> my mom called, was like what are you telling my granddaughter like, I just told her what happened like I I, I don't put any Oh I can't stand your grandparents for this, or you know i I don't put any extra. I just tell her the truth. I'm like we were all bugging, so you know
0: that is that is so amazing b k because um I think it's so important to treat our our children. I don't have kids, so i don't, i'm I'm just saying to treat children the way we would treat an adult in in the in the sense of Give them that benefit of the doubt that they can understand this to a certain extent because i think the mentality that we always treat kids like kids kind of runs until they adults as well and then we start yeah. treating our adults kids like they kids and that's just it just spreads that really big drift between the parents and child even more um so i think that it's an amazing step that you've taken in in a better direction to have seen a pattern and changed it um so drastically so good for you because you're part of that generation that needs to make that's that are recognizing the patterns that are trying to change it and i know i'm not a parent myself but i know from so many people in our generation who are parents i know that it's a real struggle to learn how to change the cycles that we grew up with
1: yes it is uh, can i say hell it's hell yeah. Um, I even forced my parent as an adult to treat me differently, which is another reason I'm the pet of the family, at least looked at that way, because when we have conversations, you know, like, for instance, if they're yelling at me, I will not yell back and I will let them talk. I let them get everything they want to say. out, And then I come back. And even as a teen, I was like this. I'm like, okay. Now you're calm. You know, I don't say this to them. <laughs> but <laughs> when they're calm, I was say, okay, now it's time to go back in and explain why I may have, may, why I was smoking weed or why I was at this place where I should not have been. And it just kind of steamrolled through, you know, me being an adult. It's like I have to treat my parents like adults. And then in turn, they treated me like an adult. And to this day, I again, I will not yell at my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, they can't upset me now. But mm-hmm. take some deep breaths and say, mom, I don't agree with you. Or dad, I don't agree with you.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're changing those dialogues. I still, I still have um, a hard time saying to my mom that I don't agree with her. Um, it's not that I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it. It's just that even if I said it, it makes no difference to her. So it's kind of like, (laughs) why bother? (laughs) It's like, I I could show her from my actions that I don't agree with her from the choices that I make. But if I had, like, I feel like in certain situations, the dialogues, they just useless. They just useless in certain situations. Um, I agree. Because it's like, you know, like speaking to a brick wall, basically. Yes, um, and so I could like I could do things differently and show that you know what I don't agree with your lifestyle, with your choices, and I'm gonna do things my way. But having an actual conversation about that would, I think, damage the relationship more because we've kind of reached a place where we like blissfully, blissfully unaware. I don't know, I don't know what's I, I I blissfully ignorant. I think would be the right term.
1: Uh, uh. (laughs) is that fair though like emotionally like do you are you okay with that complete like i'm saying like can you live with that
0: i can because i live so far away as well (laughs) (laughs) um you know what bk it's 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 been a journey um my my relationship with my mom has been a journey and it's been it's been a trauma it's been it's brought me a lot of pain um so to be blissfully ignorant right now is kind of like the best thing for me
1: (laughs) i can understand that i definitely can
0: and yeah so it's i yeah for me it's the best thing and i think it's also the best thing for her as well because our lives are just so drastically different from each other that it's like i can be accepting of her but i don't think she can actually be accepting of my lifestyle because because of the whole religious thing
1: yeah i can understand that especially um like that generation where they're like in their 60s pushing 70s some of them it's really hard to change at that point even with my parents there's certain things they just won't budge on Mm-hmm. And it's either I do bite the bullet. Sometimes I just say, okay, fine. <laughs> I, like you said, you just kind of do what you're gonna do anyway. Yeah. But man, there's still a lot of times where I'm like, Dude, is pushing back worth it? And sometimes it's my own ego. I'm like, nah, I'm pushing back on this. <laughs> one. I'm pushing back. But I could sometimes there's those moments, like you said, you just kind of have to be like, eh, whatever. yeah,
0: whatever. You gotta you gotta walk away. Sometimes I think for your own sanity, for your own mental health. <laughs> your own awareness um yeah it's like you said earlier you either choose happiness or you choose being close to your family and being miserable and i chose happiness
1: you you know walking away was like the best thing though because who there were times like when we moved um to birmingham alabama um my parents were at that point an hour away from me and i remember my mom and my uncle I, I like distance myself from everybody so my mom, my uncle, and my auntie were we weren't talking to none of them so it's like they just, was, they called my phone randomly one day and was like hey, we're on our way we're in Birmingham and we want to know your address so we can come see you and I was like, that's that's not a good idea, like I love you but nah, I, I'm not, I wasn't I just, I wasn't prepared, like I wasn't ready, like I was still mad about all those times I sat and cried like because I didn't have my family on my side because we disagreed with maybe how I didn't want to talk didn't want anyone to talk up to my child like a like a child, like use like adult words. <laughs> so that was an argument we actually had. Um certain foods. We're from the South, so you know, we got foods that's not exactly healthy. <laughs> and I'm like Do not feed my child chitterlings. Please, don't. Don't take my black card, y'all. I don't eat chitterlings. So, (laughs) I'm like, don't feed my child that nasty stuff. And, like, we had a whole conversation. My whole family was there. Cousins, they were like, you tripping. If your mom want to do this. I'm like, no. And then I will take my child and we will go. Like, I used to be mad just foot in the line on a bunch of just random things. And in that regard, I was definitely kind of out of line a little bit. But I was like, I'm the parent, though, you know.
0: I don't think you are out of line. I don't. I think that I think that it's a challenge um, when grandparents become grandparents. And when it, I, I've seen it, you know, when new parents become parents and when grandparents become new grandparents, there's kind of like this role challenge between the two. And I've seen I've seen how that fight can, you know, come about yeah. And I don't think that you're wrong for standing your ground as the parent because you are the parent and the grandparents have to get used to their new role. They no longer the parents and it's a hard role for them to break away from.
1: Yeah. Uh I see my mom like she's like I'm I'm the grandma now and I if I want to see my grandchild, I'm going to see my grandchild. I'm like, "Okay. We'll see." But <laughs> and and, and it, again it was like three four years before i was just like i right, i'm yeah. tired now let's let's finish this let's get this over with you guys want to go see your grandparents and then you know it kind of started from there we start dropping them off more often and then you know so. uh, we we start having more conversations and then they they actually did kind of apologize though. like i know we did some stuff but we just never Again, we never actually talked about everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We we probably never will. Mm. I, I've given up on that dream.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but I have to say that congrats to you for standing your ground and for standing to your boundaries. Because boundaries can be so hard to keep to, especially when it comes to family. Because I think we feel a sense of duty that we have to give in. So yeah. good for you for standing those boundaries when you weren't Thank ready. You because um, it's hard it's not an easy thing to do i know like um <laughs> if someone from my family called me uh you know l- right right now i don't have any issues with anyone and i'd be like yeah anyone can come visit me that's fine but went back in the time when i had a lot of issues with some of the members i would find it very hard to tell them not to come and see me even if i'm upset with them because of that sense of duty that you feel yeah. <laughs> you feel like you have to be like okay come but you know you're gonna be seating the whole time and you're gonna Maybe say something you regret.
1: Yeah, I, I hate that feeling, especially in your own kingdom, your own house. You yes. don't want to go through that. You're like, yo, I'm at home. This is comfort.
0: Exactly. I've been living in the UK for three years now, and my mom has never been here. She's never been to my home in the UK. I don't think she ever will. Um, and my anxiety if she ever had to come here is that this is such a peaceful house that we live in. My husband and I have never yelled at each other. No one has ever raised their voice in this house before. And if she has to come here and start yelling or screaming at somebody cuz that's her nature, it's going to upset my household. We don't I don't have that anxiety in my home.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's big that you guys never had like a shouting match. A shouting match. That is yeah i've i've been yeah no no i try not to do that though i don't think i remember any oh i did with my
0: ex-husband a lot (laughs) not not with my current husband
1: that's good that he has that that nurturing to they both of you have that that nurturing spirit you know and to take care of your the the energies in your home that's big because people neglect to talk about those things too Especially yeah. when you get married. Like, that's all important stuff.
0: Hell yeah, definitely. And I know because I've lived in homes before where the anxiety was, like, so bad that I, I remember in my ex, my, my last marriage, I used to drive home and actually just sit in the car and just not go in for a while. And I used to do the same when I was living with my mom. I used to, like, drive around, sit, park off at the beach, sit in the car, and go home at the last minute because those homes were so full of anxiety. I never wanted to be there. And now i'm in my home i'm comfortable and i don't want anyone coming in and causing me anxiety in my own home
1: i totally understand that but man i do that with my kids now because they like to argue and they just <laughs> sometimes sometimes it get loud i go maybe grab something to eat and then i just sit in the park in the car and just look at the house like
0: bk <sighs> that's why i'm heavily postponing having kids
1: <laughs> no, don't let me scare you. It has been it's the greatest just, thing of my life. It's not just,
0: just you. I just, I'm just not. I just don't feel like I'm ready.
1: And that's okay too. I think my aunt was near forty before she had her kid, so mm. I can understand it. I, at first, I didn't understand it. Like, why are you waiting so long? That's you know. But now I'm like, hmm, I can see why you will wait. Like, I should. I'm happy, but I'm like, if I had to waited, like. I don't know, six years, um, I wouldn't have to reverse so many things that I've done because I would have already been in the mindset for it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I want to be like my best self when I have a kid. Um, I'm, and obviously, I'm still not there.
1: You're very close, though. Like, you <laughs> give off really great energy.
0: Uh, well, I'm only human. I have my days. You should see me after a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, man, that wine, wine, what have you, Whew. I, I don't drink anymore. Okay, I don't drink often anymore. <laughs> it's like a once every six months I might drink now.
0: Okay, good for you. I wish yeah. I could say the same. Not that I'm an <laughs> alcoholic or anything.
1: <laughs> no no, I, I, no judgment for me. Like, if you enjoy your wine, girl, get your wine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, it's just for me, it's just like, eh, I don't think I can handle it.
0: Fair
1: like, enough. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. So, BK, um, thank you so much for sharing this experience with you. I think you've dropped, like, so many golden nuggets here today and so many people <laughs> would be able to relate to so much of what you said here. The, you know, I think, it's, I think that largely what we're dealing with in most stories that we're going to find is going to be a generation gap which is something yeah. we're gonna come across. So whether you identify as a white sheep or as a black sheep or as a boat or as none, there's gonna be some sort of generation gap that's going to have caused some sort of friction or the other, and that's what we're gonna be exploring the rest of the season. So VK, before we say goodbye, I'm gonna ask you a few shot fire questions just to get to know the human behind you a little bit better.
1: Okay, cool, let's go, yeah. I'm ready. I think I'm ready.
0: <laughs> what <laughs> is your favorite food?
1: My favorite food. Um, I think my favorite food has to be pizza, even though I'm not supposed to eat it.
0: Not supposed to?
1: Well, okay, not supposed to eat it often because it's bread, a lot of bread, and um, I'm a diabetic type, too. Oh, right. So, you know, I try not to do the bread thing too much, but it's, it's a vice. It's definitely a vice.
0: Hell Yeah. Yeah, i had another guest who said that he loves pizza and he can't eat it and i'm like yeah i'll eat the pizza for both of you i have no problems with
1: that (laughs) i mean i'm gonna eat like at least a slice though i just (laughs) get thin we can get the thin crusty and it's a cheat day
0: yeah i'll eat the rest
1: (laughs) (laughs) you can have it it's all good
0: um what is one thing you cannot live without
1: one thing that i cannot live without um i know it's gonna sound really cheesy right now but it's really my family no
0: that is so sweet I, I i said the same thing i was like the one the people i love because i feel like without them i just wouldn't be able to exist
1: absolutely that's how i feel especially my kids and, and my wife like Aww. oh man when my wife is at work and she has to like work um out of town for like three months i'm like yo well not we like six weeks at a time sometimes and i'm like hey I am bored out of my mind and this bed is mad lonely. I'm gonna need you to hurry up. <laughs> oh
0: blessed. That's amazing. And last question is um what would you say is your biggest weakness?
1: My biggest weakness is fear, I think. I know that's kinda broad, but
0: it's like anxiety um, or
1: um I don't know. I I don't know if it qualifies as anxiety, but Uh, When I get ready to do new things, it takes a minute for me to pep myself up to do new things. Like uh, I just said on one of the TikTok video I just dropped today, like I don't like being on camera because I'm really shy and I don't like talking to new people. So but I find myself doing these things way more often than I would like to personally. But, you know, it's, it's my way of getting past the fear. I am talking freely to you. I know we've met before and even the first time we talked it was kind of free but man it was really hard like when the cameras are off I'm like okay I got to talk to someone else today. All right, here we go. I'm very shy.
0: Uh well, I mean, I think you're definitely in the moving in the right direction to you know, facing those fears and speaking to people and I hope I hope you felt comfortable today with me and oh, sharing I, your story. I,
1: I'm always comfortable. When you was on our show, it was very comfortable. I definitely enjoy it. I don't know how I do it. I just, it's like, I black it out. I'm like, okay, this this has to happen. So let's get it. So yeah, and I was mad comfortable. I had a great time today. I'm probably talking too much as it is.
0: (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. Well, thank you again so, so much, BK. You were so open and so honest. And I have to say, it's definitely refreshing to hear a man talk about himself like his emotions and that he cries and that you know taking that stigma away because i think like um you know we still have for some reason we still have that stigma that men don't cry but of course of course you do
1: yes and thank you for having me and um i, I try to be the best version of myself all the time if it's possible so i definitely enjoyed my conversation here with you and i i hope I hope the episode turns out good and I didn't offend any of my family members because I love you guys.
0: Oh, preach. (laughs) I'm sure they know that. (laughs) All right. Thanks, BK. Let's put a stop to letting other people's opinion of what you should be make you walk away second-guessing how awesome you all you are. I want you to use your voice to ensure that you are always seen, heard, and appreciated for all that you are and all that you have been through. And we can do this by finding a unique mindset strategy that allows you to amplify your voice. We will be looking at reflecting on the issue, recognizing the patterns that are holding you back and releasing all that block so that you can amplify your voice and make sure you are always seen, heard and appreciated as you should be. So next time, your aunt opens her mouth and says when are you going to get a real job? You can stand up for your word and walk away from that conversation feeling like a fucking queen because a strong voice and a mindful approach will result in being able to always feel seen, heard, and appreciated. I invite you to book a free 20-minute strategy call today to find one unique takeaway that will help you stand up for yourself and always feel in control, not just of how others see you, but of how boldly how you boldly reflect a person that is always seen, heard, and appreciated, rocking that confidence wherever you go. DM me to book a call on Instagram at Breakthrough This